0: You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk,
1: here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is 100% Proof. The noun proof, meaning evidence that proves the validity of something, is, as you might suspect, quite closely connected to the verb to prove, and both are rooted in the Latin verb probare, meaning to test or to prove. As a measure of the alcohol content of distilled spirits, which I will talk about this, the whole spirits thing is very fascinating, or vinegar, 100% proof refers to a mixture of alcohol and water containing roughly 50% of its weight or volume in alcohol. Modern distilleries use sophisticated hydrometers and other techniques to determine the proof of liquor. But before such gizmos were developed, distillers did indeed use gunpowder to prove the alcohol content of their beverages. Equal amounts of gunpowder and the alcohol brew were combined and a flame was applied. If the concoction didn't burn, it was underproof and contained too little alcohol, too bright or too yellowish a flame, and it was overproof or too strong. Just right, 50% alcohol, and the mixture burned with a steady blue flame. I got that from WordDetective.com. a little background on that. Benjamin Franklin said, "'Wine is constant proof that God loves us and loves to see us happy.'" That's one man's perspective. There is a song on country radio, mostly now, that if you've ever heard, it's funny, but on the other hand, it's tragic, and I'd like to read you the words. The title is Alcohol. "'I can make anybody pretty. I can make you believe any lie. I can make you pick a fight with somebody twice your size.'" Well, I've been known to cause a few breakups, and I've been known to cause a few births. Well, I can make you new friends or get you fired from work. And since the day I left Milwaukee, Lynchburg and Bordeaux, France, been making the bars lots of big money and helping white people dance. (laughs) Which is one of my favorite lines of the whole song. I got you in trouble in high school, but college, now that was a ball. You had some of the best times you never remember with me, alcohol. I got blamed at your wedding reception for your best man's embarrassing speech and also for those naked pictures of you at the beach. I've influenced kings and world leaders. I've helped Hemingway right like he did, and I'll bet you a drink or two that I can make you put that lampshade on your head. "'Cause since the day I left Milwaukee, Lynchburg, or Bordeaux, France, I've been making fools of folks just like you and helping white people dance. I am medicine, and I am poison. I can help you up or make you fall. You had some of the best times you'll never remember with me. Alcohol. Since the day I left Milwaukee, Lynchburg and Bordeaux, France, been making the bars lots of big money, helping white people dance. Yeah, I got you in trouble in high school, but college, now that was a ball." You had some of the best times you'll never remember with me. Alcohol. So everybody has a big time, and it's fun. But as the song says, you don't remember the fun you had. Why do you need a designated driver to go anywhere? Sounds like a chauffeur to me. But there's a reason. People are empty. People want to feel something. They want to express something they can't express. And so this is a great tonic. This is a great way, something you can put in to get the stuff out that you're trying to get out. The problem is... It doesn't work long-term. And this one of the reasons I'm even addressing this is our church has a number of people who have struggled with this, some who still do, and more coming who will, and a world filled with people. Everybody's drinking, and it's creating lots of problems. I remember growing up, and maybe I've shared this before, but my grandfather, when I was a little kid, six, seven, eight years old, we had that big TV that you pulled the plug out, and it took you know 20 minutes to warm up. You know, you didn't turn it off. You didn't walk by and bump it. Oh, no, no, you know, because it's going to have to warm back up. And we'd be sitting there watching TV, and everything was fine, and granddaddy was there, and a beer commercial would come on. An alcohol commercial would come on, and he'd say, turn that off. And he was the fourth, and I'm the sixth generation of preachers. That would have made him the fourth. I thought, man, i got this nutty grandfather who can't watch a beer commercial. What is up with the beer commercials? And one of us would have to get up. You know, they didn't have remotes back then. Or they did. They were the size of a couch. You know, you just didn't. <laughs> so one of us had to go up and hit that button. The thing would go off, and we'd sit there and look, and we'd try to calculate, okay, if we turn it on now, the beer commercial will be over, and it'll be warmed back up, and we'll be okay. And I never understood that until somebody explained to me why my grandfather hated those commercials so much. He wasn't some kind of crazy religious man. He had observed what that stuff had done to his friends. And he hated it. It had destroyed the lives of people in his churches and people that he knew, their families, their personal lives. And he absolutely hated it, and he wanted nothing to do with it. Turn to Luke chapter 1. I want to talk to you about 100% proof of something else. One of the great challenges that we have in church and with the whole God thing is this. There is not much proof that it is real. There is not 100% proof very often That this God stuff really works. Because sometimes the people who go to church, and this is stuff I hear, I say, well, you know, those people I see going to church, we were out drinking on Friday, Saturday night, and they showed up sobered up enough to drag their butts into church on Sunday morning. But you know what? I don't need that. They're using the same drug I am. They're using the same thing I am to be happy, and they're doing what I'm doing and tacking church on it. I don't have time for church. There's no proof that this thing really works. You potentially, and really the way God has set it up, we are supposed to be the living proof that this stuff is real. And when you go out there and you tell your story and somehow even if your life was a life of alcohol or alcoholism and everyone who knows you, it's one thing to get sober, it's another thing to get saved. Sober may prolong your life, but you can be sober and angry. You can be sober and bitter. You can be sober and just hanging on by a thread one day at a time. But when you take from going sober to being saved, to use a religious term, a biblical term, then something else happens. Then it goes from just being sober to being joyful. And something happens to the eyes of people, to the lives of people, and then it's almost irrefutable evidence. I can argue with somebody. I can tell them all the stories in the Bible. We can read the Bible. We can argue, give them apologetic reasons why it's true, go all through that. But you know what? There's nothing like standing a person up who they know and say, you know what, explain what happened to this woman. Explain what happened to this man. You can't argue with a changed life. And what made it so hard for the Pharisees and the Sadducees is that Jesus came along and he would do physical miracles and someone who was blind would be able to see and they couldn't argue with it because the guy would even say, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I know that I once was blind, but now I see. That's my proof. But even if something physical doesn't happen, something spiritual happens. And I'm telling you, you can spot this stuff. Have they screwed up since? Absolutely. Some are professionals. But they get back up, and the people who watch them say, you know what, yeah, they still go down, they're still human beings, but something has happened in their life, and that's what causes the people to say, I'm not interested in being religious, I want my life to change. I don't want to live a drunk, I don't want to die a drunk, I'd like to be able to say what I feel, sober. I'd like to be able to tell you I love you without being on the phone Drunk. I don't want to weep over a bar somewhere about how I've screwed up my kids or my own life or my marriages and all that. I'd like to take responsibility for my actions and know that God has forgiven me and that I have a hope and a future and say what I feel and tell God that I love him and everybody else and not have to have something to make that possible. Now let's talk about some of these proofs. Luke chapter 1 verse 1. In so much as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us. in this word is used here, which have been fulfilled, talks about the proof of these things. And let me give you one commentator's statement of this. It means full measure and is applied to a ship, fully laden, to a tree in full bearing. Hence it implies that fullness of evidence by which any fact is supported and also that confidence or feeling of assent by which facts so supported are believed. At some point you have to say there is either something to all this God stuff or there's not. You know what, God? If you don't exist, we are fools. What are you doing? You're an idiot if there's no God. We spend time praying. We bow our heads and thank God for food. God had nothing to do with your food. You're a fool. You work and you eat, and that's how you get food. Don't thank God for your food. He doesn't care. He doesn't exist. Or He does. And you look around, and at some point you got to stop and say, you know what, either there's something to this God thing or there's not. Either he's real or he's not. Either he cares about me or he doesn't. Either this is just a bunch of garbage in here, or it's true. And I've got to do something about it. And he starts out here this book of Luke, and he says as much, "...inasmuch as many have taken into hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled." It's done. It's happened. We've written it down. There's all type of evidence. Forget all that evidence, though. What are you going to do with one changed life? There are times when you get discouraged. There are times when you think, you know what, God, I can't do this anymore. It's not working. I'm jumping through religious hoops. I'm believing it. I'm doing it. I'm trying to hold on. And then out of nowhere, God will send somebody who is living proof. And you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's right. That's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm going to hold on. Because if you can do it in them... You can do it in me, and you go one more day. You know what, it's tough out there, doing the right thing day after day after day. And I've sat down with enough alcoholics, the pressure gets so great, and the devil says, it's not gonna hurt anything. A little buzz, a little help, you just need to relieve some stress after two months or 20 years of sobriety. It'll be okay. And one sip, and it all goes down the drain, and you have to start from scratch. If you tried to fill your life with alcohol or anything else to get a life, and you discovered that didn't work, unless you find life some other place to replace that, you're going to potentially go back to whatever the best thing you had. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Now, sometimes I think people think, well, it's no big deal. If I don't get it, that's not a problem. I'm only one person. It doesn't matter. You're putting too much emphasis on me and trying to get me to do the right thing. You know what? I'm nobody. It doesn't matter. It matters. You are the proof. You are the person in somebody's life who is going to say, you know what, there's something beyond religion. They don't just go to church. They don't just jump through a bunch of hoops. Their life has changed. Something's up. And here is what it's supposed to look like. Now, let me say this. You can't manufacture this. You can play a game and try to do some imitation stuff for a little while, but you can't stay with people consistently. What some people try to do if they're going to be religious is they take a deep breath, they get all fixed up, put it all on, get their game together, stop their screaming and hollering in the car on the way to church. They go in, big smiles, how are you, God bless you. They keep it rolling, keep it rolling. They can keep it for a little while and then they get the heck out of Dodge because if anybody stays around them any amount of time, they're going to figure out it's not real. You want to find out if something's real, spend time with somebody and if they won't spend time with you, something's wrong. You can only hide what you're trying to hide for so long, and when people spend time with you, they go, you know what? This is real. And the more real it is in your life, the more willing you're going to be to spend time with somebody to show them that it's real, so they want something you got. Look at this list, Galatians 5, and he's talked about the bad side, what the spirits do, but this is the fruit of the Spirit, not of the spirits. This is what's going to happen. This is what your life's going to manifest and by the way, a tree produces fruit. If you are connected to, if you've got root system, if you are alive, if you are a tree in God's orchard, so to speak, then it's going to produce fruit. And when the fruit comes out, these are the things. Love. You got love in your life? Do you love God? Do you love yourself? Do you love other people? If you don't love people, that's a no-brainer. They know whether you love them or not. Nobody loves anybody anymore. And if they do, it's to get something. And you come along and you just love them and you care about them. And they go, what's up with you? Are you like nutty? Are you been drinking? Isn't that interesting? I love you, man. When do they usually say that? When they've been drinking. You haven't been drinking and you just love people? That doesn't make any sense. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. This is the good stuff. And I'm going to start in Ephesians 5 verse 8 and kind of read down to this. Now listen to what he describes. This is what it's supposed to be the old you. For you were once darkness. That's how bad it can get. Now you think back, I became a Christian so early, I don't really have a category for this, but I'm going to tell you what. If you waited some time in your life and can look back, literally it is like a dark period. There is darkness You were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light for the fruit of the Spirit in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, and whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is." And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. He doesn't say don't get drunk. He says get drunk on the Spirit. Now in the same way, we get a little nervous with drunk people doing crazy things and getting all out of hand. We laugh at them. They jump over barbed wire fences and tear themselves up. You know, all these terrible things that happen. Well, I was so stupid and how would I get hurt? And We laugh and it's tragic. The problem we have is when somebody swings the other way and gets drunk on the spirit and behaves the same way, oh, we're just as uncomfortable. Somebody gets a little life. We come in and say, well, you know what? I'm a sober Christian. That's what I am. And I think we ought to be sober Christians. I don't like people drunk on alcohol, and I don't want to be around people drunk on the spirit. What are you going to do with these verses? Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And this implies, if you look at the verb and what this is saying in the original, it's talking about be ye being filled. It's this continuous. Keep drinking. Don't, you know, take a little sip at the beginning of the week. Keep it coming. Be ye being filled, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You show me a bunch of drunks, I'll show you music. Interesting how these things go hand in hand. You can crank up a song and they'll be singing. And rah, rah, you know, it doesn't sound very good, maybe. But they're singing. Music just comes naturally. You get drunk spiritually, let me tell you something. You'll start singing. There will be worship. There will be thanksgiving. Let me read you something pretty interesting, I think. The ancient Greeks believed, let me tell you this word. The word here, do not be drunk with wine, is the word methusco which means to intoxicate, make drunk, to get drunk, become intoxicated. The ancient Greeks believed that putting a piece of amethyst in the glass or in one's mouth while drinking prevented drunkenness. And indeed, the name of the gem alludes to this belief. The ancient Greek word amethyst, meaning not intoxicated. The word amethyst comes from being ah, intoxicated, not intoxicated. Second Timothy chapter 4, go over there. And this is Paul writing to this young guy, Timothy. And let's pick up here in verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom... Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Verse 5. But you, Paul writing to Timothy, but you be watchful. And the word here is nepho, which means to abstain from wine keep sober that is be discreet be sober watch it is very hard to pay attention drunk but you be watchful in all things endure afflictions do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry and he uses the same word here for fulfill that he used over in Luke chapter 1 verse 1 and this word In Luke, and here, it's a word that means to bear or bring full, to make full, to cause a thing to be shown to the full, to fulfill the ministry in every part, to carry through to the end, accomplish things that have been accomplished, to fill one with any thought, conviction, or inclination, to be persuaded, persuaded, fully convinced or assured, to render, incline, or bent on. Fulfill your ministry. Prove that it's real. Finish. Verse 6. And I love the fact that all this stuff's in here together. Paul says to Timothy, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You know what? Paul was proof, 100% proof, that it was real. This intellectual, basically terrorist, Jewish terrorist who had terrorized Christian people, hauled them in, got them killed, stood literally while Stephen was getting stoned, held the cloaks of the people that were doing the stoning, and God changed his life. I've had the opportunity on a couple of occasions to spend some time with a gentleman by the name of Steve Saint and an Indian fellow named Minkai There's a movie that's come out that I would encourage you to see, The End of the Spear. And it's been 50 years ago or so that this has happened. But I grew up hearing the story of Elizabeth Elliot and Jim Elliot. Five men who went to school and felt called to go down to Ecuador, to the Amazon region of Ecuador, and give their lives to reach people who nobody would go after and who needed the gospel as much as any of us. They went down there, they lived, they'd fly gifts in. Finally, they landed on a beach they called Palm Beach. The Indians came out, and as you see in the movie, what happened was there were some internal struggles that happened with the natives, with these Indian people, and it caused them to come out of the jungle and spear five men to death on that little beach. Five missionaries, young men, very young men. Nate St. had flown his plane in there, and his little boy, Steve ended up staying down there. His mom, they still tried to reach the people, moved back to the States. And very long, long story short, this tribe was finally reached. And I have got a picture with Steve Saint and Minkai. And Minkai is the native that speared Steve Saint's daddy to death. And of all the proofs that I've seen in a very long time, I stood at a screening in a theater recently and I looked at Steve Saint, who was a little boy when his daddy was killed, and I looked at that Indian and the joy, I'm telling you, it's like headlights coming out of his eyes. He spoke no English and he would smile and laugh and they're the two of them brothers in Christ and I can't even describe to you the encouragement it was for me. Just seeing those two men together, that's not possible. It's not possible for Ming Kai, some guy from a jungle to get it. And it's not possible for a little boy to grow up and meet the man who killed his daddy and forgive him and love him. It's not possible. I don't care what you got, you can't make that happen without Jesus. We'll get back to
0: Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com.
1: Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. Now, I understand there are a lot of sober Christians, and you may be one of them, and I am one of them more time than I care to admit. But every once in a while, you meet a good drunk, a real spiritual drunk, and you just have to stand back and either say, I don't want that, I'll die sober, or it encourages you, it draws you in, and you say, God, I don't want to die this way. I don't want to live this way. I'm proof of nothing. I'm proof that you can be religious and your life still suck. That's what I'm proof of. And I go through the motions and live like everybody else lives and talk like everybody else talks, and there's no difference. And then all of a sudden, God does something in your life, and you get to drinking out of this book, and the living water starts to do something to you, and from out of your innermost being, flow rivers of living water. And thirsty people come to get a drink, a sip. And they say, I don't know what you got, but I think you love me. And it looks like you got love and peace and joy and long suffering and kindness and all this stuff. I don't have any of that. Could you tell me what you got? Why do you think the Bible says, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within you. Sooner or later, it ought to be obvious to somebody. Why don't more people ask me if it's such an obvious thing? Are you 100% proof that this is all real? Thanks for tuning in today
0: to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.